Yesterday, I recorded an episode on my friend Rob Harper's podcast or videocast. Rob Harper, as you know, is a friend of mine we met. He's a strong Trump supporter. An unlikely friendship has emerged from it. Actually, the more I think about it, the more likely it feels. This time, my stepfather joined, and we talked about food variety. Both of them said that my food, my famous no-packaging vegetable stews, which I eat a lot of, they said that it lacked variety. I've heard this many times before. Now, Rob said this. He's only tried my stew three times. And he said that, well, it lacks variety. My stepfather's tried it actually very few times. He's seen me cook it many times, but he's only actually tried it very few times. I've noticed that people always see their food as varied or their diet as varied. Others is not. People, for example, will say, I don't like Chinese food or I don't like Indian food. And yet billions, they're talking about the cuisines of billions of people, huge varieties of, of variations within cultures, within regions, within those areas. But some people will just say, I don't like Chinese food. And they dismiss that huge variety. Now, from my perspective, I see McDonald's and Taco Bell as basically the same. One has burgers, one has burritos. It's basically the same thing. I look at Count Chocula and I look at Fruit Loops, and many people say, Count Chocula, that's brown, that's chocolate, that's very different. Fruit Loops is colorful and fruity, F-R-O-O-T, not F-R-U-I-T, because it's not fruit. And they see lots of variety there. Whereas I have cereal with nuts and fruit, and to me, if I put apples in one time or if I put peaches in another time, very different to me. Whereas for others, they'd say that's not really much variety. Sometimes I'll make something with broccoli and I might switch out instead of broccoli, I might put in zucchini or cauliflower. And others will say, well, that's really broccoli, zucchini, cauliflower, same thing. They're all vegetables. It's not really any different. To me, it's tremendously different. I also see industrial food as it's the salt, sugar, fat, convenience, treatment. Maybe you'll apply that to beef. Maybe you'll apply it to chicken. Maybe you'll apply it to a potato. But to me, very apparently different starting points. Once you put salt, sugar, fat, convenience, industrial treatment to it, to me, it comes out basically the same. You add sugar versus salt, people see very different things. But to me, cornflakes and Fritos are basically the same thing. It's just corn with that salt, sugar, fat, convenience treatment added to them. Likewise, my two favorite cuisines are Thai food and Mexican food. I used to think of Thai restaurants and Mexican restaurants in New York City as being very different. Now I just see if you take the same starting different points, but one you slather on melted cheese and the other you slather on some coconut-based sweetened sauce, you basically turn them into the same salt, sugar, fat thing. Even though one has rice and beans in it and the other has rice and some sort of lemongrass, you basically turn them into the same thing. They're not Mexican food and they're not Thai food. They're just this industrialized salt, sugar, fat convenience thing. Supermarkets carry the same things year-round these days. It seems like variety because at any given moment, there appears to be lots of choices. The eggplants look very different from the Frosted Flakes. But month after month, year after year, place after place, it's the same selection and the same monocrops. The eggplants are the same everywhere. The cauliflower is the same everywhere. That's not variety. Once the prime pleasure becomes salt, sugar, fat, or convenience, it's the same to me because there's the raw flavor which can differ between, say, corn and mangoes. But we've reduced that variety generally to monocrops so that there are only a few varieties of mangoes here, despite a huge abundance of varieties of mangoes in nature. And for most people, zero variety of radishes. People very rarely buy radishes in the store. To me, the variety among just apples is huge, which I cherish. A Fuji tastes very different than a wine sap. I think of the German beer law. I don't know if it's still around anymore, but for some time, I think they had a law that there were only four ingredients allowed to make beer in Germany or maybe in some area of Germany. 
And yet there's a huge abundance in flavors that came out of it. And that's just using four ingredients. Now, just using the local ingredients available wherever you are, that's huge variety compared to just what they would have in four. And so whatever they could produce, that's huge. And now we can multiply that by basically infinite, the amount of stuff that we can make from local foods without applying the industrial treatment of, of taking whatever it is and just adding salt, sugar, fat, convenience, crispy on the outside, tender on the inside. People have lived since the dawn of our species, not the dawn of history, since the dawn of our species on local ingredients. When did we become so entitled that we should get anything we want, whenever we want, wherever we want, whatever the price, I mean price, not cost, but price to the environment. What's so bad about not having berries every damn day of the year? What's so bad about eating them in season, even if that means foregoing them when they're not in season, having something different instead? A farmer nearby wants to provide food for me, wants to provide food for you. Instead, most of us, a large part of our food budget, instead goes to Saudi Arabia for fuel, Madison Avenue for advertising, Wall Street for finance, and Venezuela for some poor farmer who is now not feeding their people near them. So my mom and my stepfather, who've lived here where I'm now, up in upstate New York, for over a decade, say there's nothing available local this time of year. To me, it's like someone who's played music so loud their entire lives, that is, they've, de they've deadened their taste buds, or they've played their music so loud that they're deaf, saying that there's no bird songs to hear anymore, even while there's plenty of bird songs around. The human aspect to this food is just as important to me. I would probably eat meat, which I don't, but I probably would if I lived in a time when, around now this time of year, spring, and the plants hadn't started growing and people had to slaughter the animals this time of year because that's what they could eat. In that kind of world, not with all the factory farming and industrial stuff, I'd probably eat meat because in those situations, we would cherish it, not take it for granted and ship the meat from all over the world and then give it the salt, sugar, fat, convenience treatment. So no, I don't consider filet -O fish as different than a burger, nor Taco Bell as distinct from McDonald's or Olive Garden or whatever, all of them. They all treat the raw ingredients as commodities. I try and I believe that I treat the ingredients as a painter treats paints on a palette or a musician treats notes on a musical scale. A piano has 88 keys. A trumpet has, I think, three little valves. Do we say that they have no variety? They get huge variety if you choose to make it. But let's get to the bigger picture. I've also come to see our educational system as equally tone deaf. Some will see history, as I did, as completely different than the subject of economics or humanities as different than science and math. Even there, most humanities people will see math and physics as similar, and most science people will see history and say philosophy as similar. To me, if they all teach the same skills, passive skills of reading, listening, taking notes, analyzing how they teach you to analyze, but not for people and students to learn their own values and create their own skills, they're all teaching the same compliance. Whatever subject it is, it's still compliance that they're teaching. That most Americans or people in the East and West, when confronted with the new problems, they can't help themselves. By contrast, Nelson Mandela, in prison for 27 years, lived more free in a something like 10 foot by 10 foot cell, I think smaller, with forced labor. He lived more free than people today. How do I know? Because he created his happiness despite few raw ingredients. Yet people today, with much more comfort, convenience, and variety, 
feel depressed and bored. I learned from Thoreau, who lived off the land. Read Walden. Read Civil Disobedience. People today miss the point. They talk about how he actually, oh, he actually did interact with people. He talked to his mom and she did stuff for him. That's not the point. The point is not whether he was at zero contact with the rest of the world. It's that he found being put in jail for not paying his taxes to avoid supporting slavery and an unjust war, that that made him more free. People who emerge from our educational system today learn dependence. They become dependent. They don't learn to be independent when they need it or want it. Rob, for example, complains about a system that, as best I can tell, he spends his time in solitude during this pandemic trying to find how someone is causing his problems rather than appreciating nature that no matter how we try to dominate it will never go away nor never be weaker than us. With zero evidence, as far as I can tell, he constructs a worldview that Chinese labs were trying to hurt him. Mandela, by contrast, learned to relate with and help the people imprisoning him, realizing that the problem wasn't the people, but the system, and he got them on his side. He became their president. People make themselves depressed, despondent, angry, and things like that, and able to apply this compliance that they learn in school and this analysis to understand a situation beyond what school taught. School doesn't teach how to handle a several-month or several-year lockdown. By contrast, Viktor Frankl lived a life of more happiness and more bliss in Auschwitz, or Jean-Dominique Bobby, the guy from The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, the book and the movie, he suffered a stroke that led to him devoid of voluntary control of any muscles except his left eyelid. This is locked-in syndrome. All he could do is blink his left eyelid, and he wrote that way a book that became a bestseller, an inspiration, and a movie that won awards. I think Khan, the big one at Khan, he did it by connecting with the people around him. These people, Jean-Dominique Bobby, Nelson Mandela, they lived more variety and happiness than people today who want to riot when they only have access to all the food in the world, all the world's knowledge, video to anyone and everyone, access to all the art, music, literature, movies ever recorded, as well as the tools for themselves to recreate those works or make their own. They complain under material conditions beyond anything anyone in the world has ever had, and for them that's suffering and misery. So go ahead and call my bowl of cereal one day with a Bartlett pear and the next with an Anjou pear, lacking variety, while calling your Wheaties different than your SpaghettiOs, which I see the same. While you complain, and you plan to riot against people suggesting that you live with slightly less material abundance than yesterday, by your own prideful boasting, greater than kings of only a few generations ago had, and then you sink into depression and rage, and then miss out that seeing the same process happens with travel as with food, just as they industrialize food to produce what superficially looks like variety, but beneath the surface is monotony, to most people's actual experience of Italy versus China are basically the difference with what they have in different sections of Disney World. While they can't see the nuance, I shouldn't even say nuance, the difference between going on a bike camping trip versus spending a week to learn bike mechanics. They're both kind of boring to most people. Or they can't see that spending a week on a meditation retreat might change your lives more, despite probably less emissions, than crossing another place off a bucket list that is actually far less photogenic than the million pictures that they can see on the net anyway, and that they degrade by going to, and in the process degrade where they came from with all the emissions and so forth. Or even, as my stepfather describes, meeting people or the land in faraway places, that they don't just go and look at it like tourists. They go and they meet people there, and they go from house to house, and they meet people, and they get the real local experience, while missing out that his very own childhood created the same results by going places on foot and missing out on the variety and diversity of people 
that's everywhere. He can go to places nearby and see that people there have just as much variety as people anywhere. But we don't because we want things handed to us because we've learned dependence instead of independence. We've learned to have things handed to us instead of to create things. People, air quotes, stuck at home, feel deprived in situations materially more abundant than kings of yesteryear. My greatest recent vacation was the day, just to see if I could, I got on my rowing machine and rowed a marathon. That is, you know, you row once, it's like several meters. I rowed 26.2 miles to see if I could do it. You could say, I didn't leave my apartment and with disdain say I missed seeing Machu Picchu or some other thing beyond my physical horizon. While I found myself, physically and emotionally, and I made myself more able, more creative, less needy, physically, emotionally, intellectually, in many different ways. And it wasn't just a day, actually, but a journey. Since a month early, I'd rode half a marathon for the first time to see if I could do that. And that feat came a couple months after seeing that people do this, that people actually row marathons, because I was watching and learning about the CrossFit Games, which I found by researching a guest who, on my podcast, she won the CrossFit Games, and that's after she won a gold medal in the Olympics. And I met her several months earlier from another guest on my podcast who had won the America's Cup. And I met her after learning to sail, which I learned in order to cross the Atlantic because I challenged myself not to pollute by not flying. Now you tell me who went farther, me by not flying, leading to an America's Cup champion, an Olympic champion, who is also a CrossFit champion, which led to me rowing half a marathon, which led to me rowing a marathon, which led to me learning what I'm capable of and what I'm not. I don't know how it sounds, but I felt like I broadened my horizons a lot farther than I had, had I actually gone past my physical horizons in a plane which, in which you don't have any experience of actually going places. You just kind of get in a big metal thing and end up somewhere else. Whereas I actually, the farthest I went was a train ride out to Long Island to meet the America's Cup winner. But internally, emotionally, intellectually, physically, I broadened my horizons a lot more. Meanwhile, most Americans seem unable to put two and two together to see that the opportunity is there to create joy, happiness, bliss, community, and connection that someone like Viktor Frankl that the Nazis tortured, or like Mandela that apartheid tortured, and whose stroke, like Jean-Dominique Bobby, deprived him of voluntary control, that these people created this joy, happiness, bliss, and community. You think that they're dead. Some of you probably think that they're just dead white males, as one entitled student actually described heroes of mine, including Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and Oprah Winfrey, actually called them white men. I find these people more alive today than, I'm going to go on a limb here, that you probably find alive most of your Facebook connections, including possibly your own spouse. As Rob tells me that many people are looking to divorce as soon as they can after having met their partners more under lockdown, that the more that they meet them, the more they want to be apart. So I say, go help bankrupt your local farmers, saying that they can't provide you with food in the winter, and help support despotic regimes and a system making more despotic regimes, lying to yourself, that is to provide all that oil, to ship stuff in from all over the world while you don't buy stuff locally, lying to yourself that you aren't contributing to that problem, and lament that after we get a vaccine for this virus, that everything will return to normal, sadly, as it's always been, despite that in this time, you may have connected with people around you more. As, let me tell you a story, that yesterday, my stepfather and I, we met this guy, and he mentioned that he's homeschooling his son now, and he's finding that his son is flourishing, finally learning that his son was languishing in school, and now is flourishing when his own father actually spent time with him to teach him some math. 
This guy said he would never go back to the old way now that he's experienced this. I asked and he, I said, why didn't you do it before? He could have learned about his son anytime and spent time with his son. Why didn't he? He said because he was busy. That is to say, he had time for things not his son, but he didn't have time for his son. The compliance-based education his son was getting while teaching beneath him may have resulted in him getting an A because it was so easy, but not knowing his father at the time, or rather, knowing his father as someone who doesn't have time for him, but puts him in a place that bores him. And actually, teaching him below his level more likely resulted in him not getting an A, but getting a low grade. Probably less factual understanding, which nobody cares about anyway, and shoved down for him what he could have learned experientially, things like value, meaning, purpose, connection, connecting with family, creating abilities, creativity, initiative, and all these things that make life abundant. Now that he has less, materially speaking, less options if you're saying it's a variety to go out and travel the world, but he's finding more. He's creating more. He says, as you have the capacity to say, that he would have changed earlier had he known, had he practiced this earlier. Well, we have the chance to practice more now. That is more challenging ourselves to create variety in meaning and purpose and value. Reverting back to before and letting the world revert back to before and just saying that's the way it has to be, it's going to happen, means that you're passively accepting the compliance and impotence that supports those regimes and keeps you stupid. Yes, stupid. However vaunted your degrees and your ability to regurgitate information but not tell the difference between radish varieties to where you call salads with two different varieties lacking variety and to where you call having access to all the world's culture ever, ever recorded and all the access to food you can have and all these creature comforts and access to anyone in the world that you want to talk to and you call it deprivation and sacrifice and it makes you miserable and sad and makes you want to riot or cry or give up or feel sad or miserable. And you would have reacted, as I would, on mentioning putting pears into cereal, that I wouldn't do that because I found that pears flavors are so nuanced and so delicate that I'd rather eat the oats plain in order to savor the pears by themselves because I love that flavor and I don't want anything to diminish that, except when they're in peak season and so abundant and so cheap that I feel richer than a king when I indulge in eating them however I want because there's so many that time of year, appreciating the abundance of nature not the scarcity of soul in your supermarkets and convenience restaurants, however crispy on the outside and tender on the inside, and your prepared restaurant meals or take-home meals full of pleasure, direct of feeling. So now watch your farmer sell his land and pay some Saudi prince while you make yourself powerless to love and spend more time with your child when those restrictions go away and you can go off and do what you want. If you're going back to what you used to do before, that's going to mean you're going to spend less time with your family and you're going to go be too busy for them. So go complain and use your compliant, entitled dependence to turn greater material abundance and more prosperity into emptiness of meaning and purpose and feel superior to my walking four miles just to meet a guy in person who will tell me where my local farmers will sell me a rutabaga that you wouldn't deign to eat as it lacks variety because it's not from around the world. While my life overflows with abundance of meaning, purpose, sensory delight, and even amid this tirade, this talk that I'm giving, Love. Now, I have to admit, as I write and speak that word love, that I'm hit with humility, what little I have of it, that my poor rhetoric here speaking and my reflection have led to a tone accusatory and probably condescending. That's probably come out that way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm fooling myself. Maybe I am lacking a bigger variety. Maybe I'm missing something. I'd love for you to teach me. I'd love for you to relieve me of my ignorance. What I'm sharing here is not to put down, but to invite you to try not sample or visit or just kind of look at, 
but sincerely, authentically, and genuinely try to live this way for a while. This is what I did five, six years ago. Actually going back longer, but going without packaged food, that was, I think the idea came just about six years ago. And maybe start with food. Not with the not traveling for a while. Just start with food for a week or two. Try going with nothing packaged. No added salt, sugar, fat. Nothing made extra convenient. Cook everything from scratch. Actually, maybe more than a week or two. Until you master it. Until you can make a meal that you're pretty happy with. Until it feels more convenient for you to do that than to get takeout and so forth. It may take months. It took me three to six months before I started really getting it. And in those months, it may make you internally as sore as someone using muscles for the very first time in their lives. But when those muscles strengthen, they enable you to achieve more than you ever could before. And when you learn to master cooking from scratch, you'll cook more than you ever had before. I predict that you will wish, if you genuinely, authentically give this a shot, that you will wish you had earlier, the way that this father wished he had earlier learned to connect with his son instead of sending his son off to sit in rows and be compliant. And you will connect with your world your community, your family, more than you thought possible, as well as with yourself, and that you'll open yourself to learning, growing, and connecting. If after you master preparing local foods from scratch, you then return to Cracker Barrel and prefer that, please teach me why, because I'll have something to learn from you. This would not make any sense to me, because I used to do that, and now I don't. I could learn from you. I predict instead that you'll want to share what you've learned with others, and you'll be able to do the greatest thing that anybody can about our environmental problems, which are our personal problems because we are part of the environment. Greater than avoiding straws, greater than avoiding flying, greater than avoiding packaging, greatest of all, you can lead others, other people, other communities, your own community, corporations, and governments to love, honor, and steward nature. Nature, which includes us, our emotions, our feelings, our community, our connections, all of us.